recorded live in the Phantasmo Lounge, high atop the Mentor Building in beautiful Midtown Portsmouth, Virginia. It's Phantasmo After Dark, with your host, Rob Floyd, and co-host, Phyllis Floyd. Tonight's topic, War of the Worlds. Well, hey everybody, welcome back to the old podcast. Hey, Phyllis. Hey, Rob. Looks like we're back on schedule now. Hopefully we can stay on schedule. <laughs> I hope so. It was tight getting to this one, but uh, I think we'll make it. Yeah. As we said before, we are in the midst of packing up the lounge and doing some renovating to hopefully move uh, across town a little bit to a new lounge Indeed. here soon. So we're we're going to try to keep the podcast on schedule as much as we can. We We may get off a little bit, but we'll try to... If we do get off, we'll try to make it up to you somehow. <laughs> <laughs> But tonight we're talking about, this is one we've talked about over and over about doing, and we just, I guess just haven't been in the mood to, for this particular one when we, you know, when it's time to do the podcast, but yeah, uh, and, you know, the thing I've kind of not dreaded, but I, I don't know, maybe dreaded is the right word about this one is I like this one. You like this one. We both like this so much and we like so much about this, not yeah. just the movie, but the whole idea yeah. of War of the Worlds, the story, yeah. the radio, Jeff Wayne's War of the Worlds, which we'll get into oh, later. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Wait, there's so much about War of the Worlds that we really like. We're going to talk about it. We'll go off on tangents about it. And we're going to forget to tell you something important. Oh, yeah. And it's well, going to really yeah. annoy me. <laughs> well, that's another reason why I've been kind of hesitant to do this one is it's such a classic. Yeah. It's not as much of a cult underground film as a lot of the, and bizarre film as a lot of the stuff we talk about. Yeah. What more can be said about it that hasn't already been said? You know, right. so we're not going to go into every fact that you you know Stuff need to know, know about it, right? And we're not going to go into run down the entire plot because everybody should base know the basic plot of War of the Worlds by now. Yeah, but we're going to talk about what we like about it and some maybe some odds and ends, some little interesting bits we we came across and some research and all, and maybe get you to go watch the film if you haven't watched it in a long time because yeah. that's really the whole point of the podcast anyway. Is to you know just spark an interest enough for you to go watch these films and experience them for yourself. So yeah, and especially this one because you know Tom Cruise was in the remake and what I know, but we got to talk about it. Yeah, yeah. I I don't understand. I'm not understanding (laughs) the words coming out of my mouth. Could you speak English? No, I can't. I can't understand anything. You'll you'll have to ignore this part. But he did this this remake, and it had no life, no feeling, no. It just didn't feel anything like the original. And, you know, maybe maybe it wasn't supposed to. I don't know. But it just missed the boat completely. Well, like for me, like a lot of movies out nowadays, it's just a CGI cluster, you know what. Yeah. And it just doesn't have any, the heart and the soul that the movies that these things are remakes of do. Yeah. You know? Well, and, and it's not even the heart and soul of the remake of the movie. It's the heart and soul of the material, the source material. Yeah, well, that's what I'm talking the about. The novel. Yeah. You know? So, anyway. Uh, where to start? So, this was... Well, okay. This was probably one of the greatest science fiction movies ever made. Sure. I can agree with that. I believe it's in the uh, AFI's... Mm-hmm. It's in the top 30. Yeah. Of a film... Right. Films in general. Yeah, not just genre films, yeah. but films in general. And it is, you know, not even joking, not even personal opinion. It is one of the best science fiction films ever made. Start to finish, it's a good, solid story. Mm-hmm. It moves along at a really good pace. It doesn't slow down. 
The characters are interesting. It doesn't dwell or go into anybody's background. You get introduced to them, and you get enough to know who they are, and let's move on. Yeah, yeah. You just jump into a story and go. And it starts at the very beginning. The Martians are coming to Earth, and uh, it has a, a, a bit of the dialogue is lifted right from the book. As it should be. It's especially some of the narration bits and stuff, mm-hmm. uh, which is fantastic. No one would have believed in the middle of the 20th century that human affairs were being watched keenly and closely by intelligences greater than man. Now, the film was made in 1953, and the book was written, oh, God, I'm not sure exactly the year, but it's set in the 1800s. Right. So I, I think it was written original book was written back then yeah and if somebody is like living under a rock this is a story by hg wells yeah where the martians come to invade earth so the original is what post-victorian england i guess Mm -hmm. the radio play that orson wells no relation adapted and created the mass panic on halloween of 1938 right is updated to the to the 30s and it's fantastic if you've never heard it you've got to hear it and if you don't know, real quick, the story about that is he adapted this to the Mercury Star Theater or whatever radio play. I think that's right. And on Halloween night, 1938, they came on and they gave a little disclaimer at the beginning saying this was a play. But then it goes in, it sounds like a, a regular radio broadcast of yeah. playing music from, live from some ballroom. Mm-hmm. And then it gets cuts in with news reports of what's happening. And if you didn't hear that beginning or you weren't paying attention to that beginning it really it sounds like you're listening to your your saturday night radio programs and then the news is cutting in with this breaking thing of this martian invasion and Mm -hmm. it's believable because it's not it doesn't go over the top it does a little bit at a time you feel just a little bit so when this happened back then of course people aren't as jaded or sophisticated or exposed to as much technology and stuff as we are now and communication wasn't as easy. Yeah. People took it as it was really happening. And it was a lot of mass panic. There were even, I think, some suicides. And and people just... It, Orson Welles had to come on the next day on the radio and make an apology. Yeah. Talk about, I mean, amazing showmanship. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it blows my mind that it even happened. I mean, and yeah. he comes on at the very end. If you listened to the very end. Yeah, but most people, they panicked. They didn't listen didn't. to the end of it. But he came on at the very end and said, you know, this was this was just a Halloween, you know, in the spirit of Halloween. That's all this was. It's not yeah. real. Or I don't know. I can't remember his disclaimer exactly. But he Hope does come out it. and say, you know, it was yeah. just play. But if people didn't listen all the way through, they didn't know. And that's easy to get. I'm sure you can hear that on YouTube or anywhere else. So you pull it up and listen if you get a chance. That's a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, but flashing forward to the 1953 now, mm-hmm. the George Powell film, we're ta- mainly we're talking about now. Fantastic. Uh, Gene Barry, who went on, he was Bat Masterson and Burke's Law and then the hundreds of TV appearances. And Ann Robinson, who did hundreds, you know, dozens, hundred TV appearances on westerns and things throughout the years and 60s 70s and all that and they actually had a cameo in the tom cruise film oh did they his parents i i think i did watch it but i, yeah. I just well okay i say i think i did watch we did it. we watched it one night but we it's forgettable it's very forgettable yeah. i think i blocked it out because i just didn't like yeah. it but this movie i mean okay let's just say we watched the blu-ray the 
I guess it's the newest Blu-ray release, Restored. I believe it was 2018 Restoration. Yeah, it is gorgeous. I've never seen a print this good of this film, and I've watched this film on TV. and Many, many, many times. Yeah, many times over the years growing up. And this is just, they just did a slam-bang, over-the-top restoration on this. They did not add anything to it. No. They just enhanced the What's colors new? and everything to what they originally were in mm-hmm. the original 35 print. Yeah. Because over the years, making copies in different prints, it's gotten washed out. And in other restorations, they made things, they tried to make it a little more clear and brighter. The team that did this went back, they found an original print of the film mm-hmm. from 53. Right. And they screened it and at a the theater and it. they saw how rich the colors were. Mm-hmm. And the scenes are supposed to be dark, but are still bright. The, you know, it's hard. Yeah. You have to see that to get what I'm saying. But in the scenes that are dark, the colors still pop and everything is still crisp and sharp. Yeah. And this print, like I said, is gorgeous. Yeah. It's and the special effects. I mean, they even went and cleaned up the sound effects because they had, they found the original sound mm-hmm. effects on, you know, separate from the film. So they got to enhance those and put those back in. They didn't create new sound effects. They used the original ones that were meant for the film. Yeah. Well, and it was originally released almost everywhere in mono. Yeah. And they redid this with the restoration and created a stereo version. Yeah. So it's gorgeous. If you get the Blu-ray, there are a few documentaries on there, and yeah. that's where we we got well most of this informa- information. Yeah. And it's it's so fascinating. And the special effects, the visual effects, they they go through the coolest thing on this one of these documentaries is they went back through the the archives, the studio archives, and everything, and they find a lot of behind the scenes pictures, and they find a little footage of the mat shots of like the force fields around the ships, how they did that, Mm -hmm. the raw footage. And then the footage of how they created the heat ray and then the death ray, or they call it the skeleton ray. Yeah. The green ray. And they didn't know how that was done. They couldn't find raw footage of that. So they kind of saw what it looked like, guessed, and then they recreated it with like a Tesla coil and a hairdryer blowing the Tesla coil up. And it looks exactly like it. So it's like, okay, well, that's how it was done. Yeah. And the heat ray is an acetylene torch that they... Put a, like a fan. A, a fan to blow it forward and then tinted it red. It's just fascinating. Yeah. And it looks <laughs> amazing on film. And it, like I said, I can't, I can gush over how great a print this is and beautiful it is to watch. It is a thing of beauty. If you're a fan of this film... Like we are, you've got, this is the copy you need to own. Yeah, Get you, rid of you, your other copies. You have not seen War of the Worlds yeah. 1953 until you have seen the 2018 restoration. It's gorgeous. It is. It is fantastic. You know, and the, one of the coolest things, we were talking about this too, one of the cooler things in this is how you, you barely see the Martians. Yeah. You know, you see them a good beauty shot quick. Mm-hmm. Of one of the Martians. Mm-hmm. Other than that, you see his hand a couple times. Yeah. And that's it. Mm-hmm. But you get, you know, beauty shots of the war machines. Yeah. Lots of that. Yeah. And I love how they couldn't, they didn't have the technology at the time 
unless they wanted to do stop motion like Harry has and stuff right, right. to do the walking the tripod walking machines. Yeah. So the way they got around that, but keeping the tripod idea uh-huh. was the they call them the flying. A lot of people call them the flying machines or the saucers, but they don't fly. They float above the ground mm-hmm. like they however many stories ele- above the ground yeah they explain it as electromagnetic legs yeah and you can see in some of the shots at the beginning yeah in the beginning the energy coming three beams of energy coming down from the bottom of the, the which, saucer yeah which if you'll have to watch the documentary to understand the explanation of this because i cannot explain it to you <laughs> but it's not a digitally done or no. or print touched up or a film yeah. touched up thing. I, it was crazy, crazy effect, but it was yeah. really cool. And you know, again, but it was so dangerous to do; they couldn't do yeah. it anymore, so they stopped. Uh, no digital, digital wasn't even remotely a thing then. It was all physical effects or matted in shots. Mm-hmm. And uh, gorgeous is the only word I can think. I keep using that over and over again. Uh, oh, one thing I had to remember this quote, this guy, I can't remember who this was from, but this was on one of the documentaries about when you're, you got to be careful when you're restoring these films because mm-hmm. you don't want to add to it. You want to enhance what's already there. And he said, you don't want to improve something, uh, improve it to the point of failure. Right. And I'm like, oh, that's, that's brilliant. Yeah. You know? Well, you could tell that the people who did this restoration, this wasn't just a job. They, Loved this material. Oh, it was a labor of love. And these people respect the original film yeah. and the original creators. And that's what's important, at least to me, and, and I know it is to Rob, that if you're going to do something, you, you need to respect the material. You need to respect the history of where it came from. I'm not saying you can't put your own spin on things when you're, you know, doing things do your on own your thing. own. Right. But <laughs> do your own thing. Don't, but if you, don't change what was already there. Yeah. If you're trying to restore somebody else's material, restore it. Don't. Add your own thing to it, you know. Right. And they I, did a beautiful job. Oh, yeah. And, you know, it got to mention uh, Al Nozaki was the Japanese-American mm-hmm. uh, guy who... Cre- Art director, right? Yeah, who created the war machines. Mm-hmm. And a few, I think, some of the special effects, too. Mm-hmm. And it, and, you know, just an iconic, iconic science fiction craft, if you know, for lack of a better word, uh, spaceship. Everybody knows that that's the War of the Worlds. Yeah. War machine. Yeah. And it's just beautiful. It's such an it's an elegant, smooth design. Kind of like a manta ray, basically. Yeah, yeah. It's very, very cool. Now I got I gotta say, one of my first exposure to War of the Worlds that I can remember, and I don't now I don't remember if I saw this on the movie on TV first, but one of the first when I was a kid, I had got the classics illustrated version comic book. Now, this was in the 70s, but the copy I got was from the 60s. I got it probably at a used bookstore, probably Great Bridge Books, mm-hmm. in a stack of comics one time. And that captured my attention, you know? Mm-hmm. If I hadn't seen the movie at that point, I wanted to see it after reading that book. Because the, in the book, in the comic, it, it, it has the tripod walking machines. Right. And then, of course, later I got the, when they did the 70s, when they tried to bring back Classics Illustrated, I got that version, too. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it, yeah. I, lo- I love those to death. I've re- I read those over and over as a kid, and I've seen the movie dozens of times over the years. But this is this new this new restored version is just a oh, fantastic experience. Now, again, this has been remade over the years a couple times. The Tom Cruise film. Well, before that, there was the TV series. Yeah. In the uh, the nineties, I believe. Mm-hmm. That was interesting. 
Yeah. Um, now, was there a TV series and a miniseries, or is that the one you're talking about? I'm talking about the TV series. Okay. There may have been a miniseries. There was I know... a miniseries, too. Okay, I'm not sure when that was. I'm it may, about the it one may from have the been a British. Well, I that can't was remember. Recent. Well, there's a new show right yeah. now that's not a miniseries. It's an actual series mm. that's going on. That we have, have not seen I've yet. seen, like, one episode oh, did from you? it. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know you did. It's It was interesting, but I only saw one episode, so... yeah. You know, did it have the walking machines? Not yet. Okay. In uh, that episode, no. <laughs> did you see that that clip? I, yeah, you did. That fan clip a guy did with like the steampunk looking walking machines, and yeah. he, he did it in black and white, so it looks like it's old footage. Yeah, it was cool. That's I'll have to try to put that on the Facebook page because that was awesome. Yeah. Now you know we're talking about War of the Worlds and how great the film itself is, and if you like. If you like 50 science fiction like we do, and the cheesy 50 science fiction, this is head and shoulders above everything, all the other yeah. science fiction films that were coming out at that time. This is not cheesy. This I doesn't mean, fit. No. When you say 50 science fiction or atomic age science fiction mm-hmm. stuff that we love, I don't think War of the Worlds. It's in a separate it, category no, no, by it, itself. It doesn't fit that. It's not in the I Married a Monster from Outer Space category. No, no way. It's just its own. It, it set its own standard. It's a good film that happens to be happens to be a science fiction film. Mm-hmm. Now and, Ray Harryhausen, you brought him up earlier. He actually tried to do War of the Worlds, but he couldn't yeah. get the rights to do it. Years before this George Powell version, he wanted to do it, and he did a test footage mm-hmm. of the Martian coming out of the cylinder, mm-hmm. more you know from the book. And he said he did it because in the book they describe them as being like octopus like creatures. Mm-hmm. So he he did it was it has octopus tentacles but with two like a, a split on the, so it's like fingers on the end of each tentacle just <laughs> yeah, two kind of weird yeah and he comes out and he has kind of a octopus like dome but with big bigger human like eyes and a kind of a beak and then there's little tufts coming off the side of the beak kind of like the kraken mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but the greatest thing my favorite part about that is when he comes up and he, his tentacles go around and then one of them just kind of swipes his forehead like. Whew, it's hot. <laughs> like, like, ooh, that was hard work on un- un- unscrewing that, that lid, you know? <laughs> yeah, it was funny. <laughs> Harry Hazen's version. I, God knows I love Harry Hazen. Everybody knows I love Harry Hazen. Mm-hmm. It would have been very interesting to see, but it would have been a much different film. Yeah, yeah. Well, I turned to Rob after I watched the footage, and mm-hmm. I had seen that footage before, but I'd forgotten yeah. it. And I said, you know, as much as I love Harry Hazen, I don't know how I feel about that yeah. movie. Or- well, you know, I, I would love yeah. to have seen it, but it wouldn't have been the War of the Worlds that no, I know. Because you go see Harry Hazen films to see Harry Hazen's work, right? And in this, you're going to see the the, the spectacle, but the story itself. Yeah. Now, it just popped in my head while I was saying that mm-hmm. Harry Hazen did Earth versus the Flying Saucers. Yeah, his War of the Worlds may have been pretty good because that is kind of the that story. That's true. You know, yeah, and it wasn't overemphasizing. He didn't have creatures. No, it was just the saucers. It was the saucers and the guys in the stiff armor yeah. suits, you know. Yeah. So, so maybe. <laughs> you know, I don't know. But We'll never know. Yeah, we'll never know. And it's just as well. Because Harry Hasen has a fantastic body of work that I, I revisit over and over again. But this film, like I said, it doesn't belong for me in the same category as 50s Atomic Age science fiction. Even though I love that stuff. Yeah, it's know. just different. Yeah. Now, we can't talk about War of the Worlds in general without talking about Jeff Wayne's musical version of War of the Worlds. (laughs) 
If you have never listened to this. Oh, my Lord. Shut off this podcast and go pull it up on the YouTube. We'll uh, have to put a wherever. link. We'll have to put yeah. a link from Facebook. It is probably one of the most fantastic pieces of music that I've ever listened to. Overall, it's the it is the story of War of the Worlds. Yeah. Put to music. Mm-hmm. Originally, it was on a record. It was a double album set. Mm-hmm. Now, over the years, I've had copies of the album. I've had copies on cassette. I've had copies on CD. I've had the anniversary edition on CD yeah. <laughs> with all Digital the different, versions. Yeah. <laughs> we listened to it. Uh, FM ninety nine used to play it at Halloween every year, and oh, I think one hundred six does it now. Do they? Halloween I didn't night. Know that. Yeah. Phyllis and I always listen to it. When we go on road trips. Yeah. Uh, usually, sometimes we're not in the mood. Yeah. We want something a little up happier. <laughs> well, yeah, but, but even it so is the music's gorgeous. The music is the story. I mean, it's start to finish the book pretty much with Richard Burton doing the narration, mm-hmm. and then different singers doing singing the parts of the characters. Yeah, it was done in the seventies, so it's a seventies yeah. kind of rock opera yeah. sort of. Yeah, it's got uh, was it Justin Hayward from the Moody Blues singing mm-hmm. the lead character. Mm-hmm. And then Phil Lynott from Thin Lizzy is, he's the parson, isn't he? I think so. And other characters throughout. Those are the main names that I can recall. But it is, oh, the music's fantastic. It's one of those things, you don't want to listen to just a couple songs from it. You want to either put on some headphones or just turn it up loud, sit back and listen to the entire story. Yeah. Because it is fantastic. Yeah, a couple of years ago at Halloween, we went over to Tony and Kim's and Tony put the album on the, the record player and we did this, that. We just yeah. kicked back and listened to it. It was awesome. It was amazing. Now, speaking of at Halloween, when we were doing still doing Phantasmo Cult Cinema Explosion, mm-hmm. the double feature cult movie night we used to host at the library over in Chesapeake for, what do we do, like 13 years? Something like that, yeah. Friday, once a month, we would show double feature cult movies. Talk a little bit about them, show the movies, everybody have a good time. We didn't have anything to do Halloween that year. We hadn't made any plans. <laughs> we had stopped doing Rocky Horror at this point for a, for a few years. So we didn't have any plans for Halloween night. And we thought, a week, just within a week, we thought, wouldn't it be cool to show War of the Worlds? Show the movie on Halloween night, like the radio program did. So we got in touch with our folks at the library about doing Phantasmo on Halloween night. Mm-hmm. And they were open to it. So we put out the call on the the Facebook and the interwebs there. And let's say, okay, Phantasmo Halloween party, come in costume. We're showing War of the Worlds. And we had a pretty decent turnout for, yeah. for a Halloween night. Last minute kind last of thing. Last minute. Yeah, I can't remember how many people showed up. 20, 25 or so. Yeah, it was it was last minute. Thing, yeah, but, but it, it was, was cool to watch it on Halloween night like that. Kind of like listen to the radio broadcast. Mm-hmm. That, was, that was fun. Yeah, it was a good time. Jeff Wayne's War of the Worlds is... It's one of those things you you just don't understand until you listen to it. Just how amazing yeah. it is. He's given everything a voice. The Heat Ray has a voice. Yeah. Aliens sure. have a voice. Every time you hear certain things, you know exactly what it is. Oh, it's yeah. just well, and it's fantastic. It was pretty successful when it came out, mm-hmm. and then people didn't talk. I mean, I didn't know about it because I was too young, I guess, to really. My cousins Brad and Gary introduced it to me. Mm-hmm. That's where I first heard it. 
I remember listening in Brad's bedroom in my aunt Mabel's house and putting that album on and me just wide eyed, like, holy (laughs) crap, what is that? You know? Yeah. And ever since then, I was just hooked on it and, you know, and had to find it and seek it out every time I could. And of course, back then you couldn't just go on the internet and listen to it. You had to find the album somewhere. Yeah. You know? But yeah, you're right. You can't explain this album. You have to experience it. Yeah, it's amazing. And especially if you like the story, though, you're going to love the album. It is fantastic. A few years ago, there was some revival interest in it. uh, And Jeff Wayne brought it live to the London stage. Yeah. And and I don't think it has ever toured the United States yet, as far as I know. No, it hasn't. But it has toured London a few times, and we did manage to get a DVD. Mm-hmm. Not a bootleg, an actual proper produced DVD. Yeah, well, it wasn't It wasn't our region, so we had to get a region-free player to watch it. Yeah, but <laughs> of, of the okay. stage version. And oh, it's phenomenal mm-hmm. what they did live on stage with the music and the a full, I don't know how many piece orchestra on yeah. stage. And like almost life-size war machine over top of the stage. Yeah. Yeah. And they had, um, Oh, and a holographic Liam Neeson Liam doing Neeson. the narration. That's right. Yeah. They was, couldn't get Richard Burton, of yeah. course, cause he wasn't with us, but Liam Neeson did that part. And that was really cool. I wasn't sure how I'd feel about it, but he did a great job. Yeah. The only thing I really didn't care for on that was the opening. They had some weird, I think it almost went on for maybe 10 minutes. Oh yeah. Some prologue, some that... strange prologue opening, like where you see the aliens. Some, it's like a digital computerized. Yeah, thing. Yeah, that was, a, that I, was, I didn't like it. It was spoon feeding you stuff you didn't need. Yeah. Like showing the aliens on their home planet and how they want to come take over our planet and yeah, explaining it. It was, and... that was not important to the story. No, at all. <laughs> it didn't matter. It was, it was, it was superfluous. Yeah. I didn't like it. So that it just skip that part. Yeah. Skip that part and go the rest <laughs> of it. Yeah. But watch the rest of it. It was very, very good. Yeah. Now, you can watch this film, The War of the Worlds, the 53 version we're talking about, probably anywhere. I'm sure it's on Tubi somewhere, or Roku somewhere. It might even be on YouTube. But if you want a really good version. Yeah, but don't watch it there. <laughs> spend, the, spend the shekels and get this Blu-ray and do yourself a favor. Because I cannot get over how how much better an experience it is watching this. The sound, the visual effects, just the print quality all over the place. It's it's beautiful. I almost want to watch it again when we get done here. It is so good. And it should be still available, I'm guessing, on Amazon. Because uh, we got it a little while ago. Yeah, we have had it for a while. I think it's, yeah, it's still on Amazon for about $26. Oh, pff, Pentance. Yeah. I mean, that's more than we sometimes want to pay for stuff because we're cheap, yeah. but 26 bucks for this <laughs> is amazing. <laughs> but yeah, do yourself a favor again. I keep saying that over and over again because it is it is a treat. It's beautiful. Now, we had the chance to meet Ann Robinson one time at the Williamsburg Nostalgia Fest. Well, mm-hmm. It was the Williamsburg Classic Film Festival at the time. And she was a guest. She was really nice. She's a big fan of Rocky Horror. <laughs> but she and her son, uh, Estefan Bravo, she actually, she married a bullfighter, Jaime Bravo, and so that's where he gets his name. Uh, he was a hell of a nice guy. We had a, a blast hanging out, and Anne was just a, a great guest, cordial to everybody, and I think most times she was standing up behind her table or standing up out front, mm-hmm. talking to people, Very you know. Very pleasant. Yeah. And, uh, you know, just willing to talk about 
everything she's done just mm-hmm. you know and had a, some great oh some great stills of war of the worlds and a lobby card reproduction i got from her got signed and uh that was just cool she's actually 92 now wow yeah how time does fly because mm-hmm. that was a handful of years ago we had just, just a little bit yeah. yeah so i don't know if she's probably i'm guessing not doing appearances anywhere anymore but if she is and you're near oh man you know, definitely, you know, get to see her, get her autograph, say hello, because she was really cool. And this is such a great movie, which I keep saying over and over again. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't really have, I didn't, I didn't do any research for this. I didn't go and look up some odd trivia or facts like I do for most all the podcasts we do to, to inject stuff. Because like I said at the beginning, you know, if you haven't heard of this movie or haven't seen the original War of the Worlds, there have been hundreds of articles and, and commentaries and documentaries on this thing over yeah. the years. I could yeah. rehash a lot of that. It's it's not but, really cult, like you said at the beginning. Yeah. So I, I don't think that I don't think it's a big secret. Yeah. So go watch this film yourself. Get the the good copy of it. And the documentary stuff on it, like we said, is really interesting as hell uh we touched on some of that stuff yeah the effects and the sound stuff oh one one thing that is pure genius and i just have to share that's from the documentary when the when the war machines start crashing in the end oh yeah they uh the special effects people you know the the machines start crashing and there's like 15 or 20 piano piano wires wires on the top holding them you know so they could levitate yeah that's what they used to to Hold that makes so them glide above the floor, yeah. And of course, when they crash, the strings go limp. Yeah. And you could see the strings as they were limp there and falling on the yeah. And they machine. were like, "I don't know what to do about that." So one of the special effects people said, "We'll just have them crash into a telephone pole, and the wires will just blend in." Yeah. So each time one of them <laughs> crashes and it goes into the side of a building, it hits a telephone pole first. So the wires from the telephone pole fall and the wires that were holding it up fall and you can't tell. It's genius. That is. That was that was a stroke of genius. I'm sorry. I just remembered. I had to tell you because that's, <laughs> I don't know. I just thought, you know, how do you come up with yeah. these things? That's amazing. Oh, I'm going to, um, of course, I'm going to put pictures on the Facebook page like I always do. And in addition to some shots from the actual film, I'm going to put some behind-the-scenes pictures, because I like that stuff, you know, the odd stuff like that. Yeah. I'm going to try to get the pictures. There's some we saw in the documentary where the wardrobe lady made Anne up as a Martian. Yeah. Now, not from the film, but just some generic 50s Martian made Anne Robinson up. She went around during filming to different places in the studio. Like, to promote Promote and saying hello to people, just to get some publicity, I guess. So, I'm a, hopefully I can find some of those shots, because <laughs> I think that costume was actually used later on Lost in Space TV oh, show. Oh, okay. It looks like something from Lost in Space. Yeah, it did. Uh, just that generic, cheesy 50s... Space girl. Space girl yeah. outfit, you know? <laughs> That's funny. But yeah, I'll have, you know, we'll put the trailer up and any little odd video bits and mm-hmm. pictures on the old Facebook page there. And speaking of the old Facebook page, drop us a line on there. If you want to talk about any comments about this film or tell us to shut the hell up or have any comments about other films you you know might want to hear us talk about, go to the Facebook page there. Uh, participate. We'll try to talk back to you. Unless you tell us to shut up. 
<laughs> then we won't. There's also the Phantasmo email, which we need to check. Have you I, checked I, that in a while? Yes, I check it every day. Oh, okay. That's uh, phantasmoad at gmail.com. Phantasmoad. Yes. All one word at gmail.com. Not yeah. phantasmo all to one word, but phantasmoad <laughs> at gmail.com. Yeah, somebody else should email it because right now the only thing I'm getting on there are um, wonderful notifications that my Norton antivirus is being renewed. <laughs> and I don't have Norton antivirus, so of course it's just a spam. I don't know. <laughs> and as a, do you're getting the ones about your car insurance? Is uh... yeah, and and Amazon packages that I haven't ordered are going to be charged to my credit card on file. And please click here. <laughs> yeah, right. Oh. <laughs> uh, Anyhow, this is uh, going to be a relatively short one, I think. Yeah. Well, I mean, like I said, because we didn't at the go beginning, over the plot. Yeah, uh, well, like we, we don't do in a lot to. of them. We don't need to on this one. And, hey, the Martians are invading Earth. There's your plot. Yeah. So that's about it for me, I think. Yeah, I think that's about it. I'm I'm sure I'm going to forget yeah. to say something that I really wanted to say, like I said at the beginning, but that's okay. I um, guess there's one other thing we should do. We have one thing left to do. We have to prove that the world revolves around Planet of the Apes. Here we are, the Planet of the Apes game, the game that we try to do at the end of every episode, where, kind of like the Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon, except we came up with this long before they came up with that, that you could prove that anything or anybody connects back to the original Planet of the Apes films. Indeed. So. Hit me. I think we're going to go with Gene Barry. Gene Barry. Mm-hmm. Okay. Let's see. Okay, Gene Barry was in... Played a congressman in Guyana, Cult of the Damned. I have no Jim, idea what that is. Jim Jones story. Oh, okay. Also in Guyana, Cult of the Damned was Bradford Dillman, who was uh, a doctor in Escape from Planet of the Apes. Well, that's like no steps at all. <laughs> Not fair using a movie I've never heard of. <laughs> okay. Uh, how about this? Uh, Gene Barry did Love Boat and so did Roddy McDowell. <laughs> <laughs> maybe not the same episode but <laughs> have you heard of love boat i've heard of love boat <laughs> i mean i could go a little further let's see gene barry uh burke's law and gary conway i believe was in that who did uh of course he was teenage frankenstein but he also was land of the giants and don marshall was like his second or the pilot or whatever in Land of the Giants. Don mm-hmm. Marshall also did uh, Star Trek, the original series, did an episode of that. Oh. So, Star and Trek. I'm sure to track here to Planet to, of the Apes. Yeah, to Sarah, uh, Mark Leonard to Planet of the Apes. Yeah. Well, already then. <laughs> I suppose, once again, you have proven that the world does indeed revolve around Planet of the Apes. Indeed it does. Well done. Okay, well that's it, I guess, for tonight's episode. You got anything else? I do not. All right. Well, till next time. Thanks for listening, everybody. Good night. Good night. <laughs> <laughs>